0: Download with DP, a weekly podcast talking about high school and college sports right here in central Illinois. I'll discuss what I saw in the past week, what's coming up on channel 1450, and what we're looking forward to. Episode 14 of season three, and frankly, I'm surprised and sort of embarrassed that this is the first time I've had this week's guest on the podcast after nearly two and a half years. Such a wealth of knowledge and a major contributor to not only channel 1450, but also Newhoff Media as a whole. Jim Rupert is coming up shortly, but first what i saw in the past week we start with football week nine i was at ken leonard field for the big central state Aid football game rochester wins by 10 over sacred griffin and i came away impressed with what i saw from the cyclones they put up a great fight even battling injuries were able to make the rockets earn it rochester has some things to clean up before they make a run but they're so talented in many spots it didn't matter shg if they can get a few guys back and stay healthy and stay disciplined they can win a few more games, at least in the 5A playoffs. On Saturday, I was back at SHG in the evening for the regional soccer title game, and it's a good thing I got there on time because Braden Trello scores less than two minutes into the game, and that was it. Rochester beat Sacred Heart Griffin and advances. More on that shortly. On Monday, we were tracking down interviews for the second season previews, so make sure you go check out all the interviews with the coaches to preview their first round playoff matchups. I also need to say a huge thank you to the Auburn football program, the New Berlin football program, the Lanfair football program, the Springfield High football program, and the Sacred Heart Griffin football program. We had our collection day for the fourth annual Fill the Trailer food drive on Monday, and we collected over 7,500 pounds of food for the Central Illinois Food Bank. Thank you to this year's sponsors of the event as well. Heartland Credit Union, Hendricks Home Furnishings, Peerless Cleaning and Restoration Services, and Roller Builders Construction. We couldn't do it without them, and we greatly appreciate it. Thank you also to Primo Designs for helping us out with the t-shirts the teams get, as well as the pullovers that the pretzels will be getting after beating Auburn. by just 44 pounds this season. We have a new champion. On Tuesday night, I was in Rochester for the 2A soccer doubleheader. Rochester beats... Mohamed Seymour, 2-1 on goals from Braden Trello and Landon Kucher In the nightcap, one of the craziest soccer games I've ever witnessed, Champagne Central beat Springfield High after 10 rounds of penalty kicks. So the Maroons will take on the Rockets on Saturday at 11 a.m. for the sectional title and a spot in the Halloween Jacksonville Super Sectional next Tuesday. That leads me to what's coming up on Channel 1450. Thursday is Regional Championship Night, and if you don't know, all the volleyball games are being played at 6 p.m., on Thursday. So make that makes it impossible for us to cover all of our teams competing for regional titles. Just a heads up now before you start to complain. We plan to try to get highlights from Pleasant Plains versus Athens at North Mac, Rochester versus Taylorville at Springfield High, Porta versus Williamsville at Williamsville, U High versus Muhammad Seymour at U High, possibly Glenwood at Eisenhower, and Lincoln at Champaign Central. If we can get some extra help, we will see, but we'll do the best we can. On Friday, Two football games. Thank you to Derek and Brody. We will have Lincoln at Rochester and Normal U High at Cole City. Full highlights from both of those on Friday night on Channel 1450. On Saturday, we will have highlights from Piasaw Southwestern at Athens, Litchfield at Olympia, SHG at Thornton Fractional North, MacArthur at Metamora, Bloomington at Glenwood, Chicago Christian at Moreau, Forsyth, and Tolono Unity at Williamsville. I don't think we can get a camera to Johnson City for Auburn or Murfreesboro for Taylorville, unfortunately. Because we also have soccer on Saturday. Like I said, the 2A Rochester sectional title game is at 11 a.m. in Rochester. And the 1A North Max Super Sectional featuring Williamsville is being played at noon. The Bullets looking for a trip to state next weekend. All right, what's coming up next week? Well, first of all, don't expect Big nastier Plays of the Week on Sunday night. Because I will be in Champaign on Sunday night to watch the Kansas Jayhawks take on the Illini in basketball. Next Monday, we will have highlights from the 3A Southeast Volleyball Sectional Semifinals the 2A Pleasant Plains sectional semifinals, and the 1A Nokomis sectional semifinal featuring the MSM champs Redskins if they win on Thursday. Tuesday night is the 2A Jacksonville Super Sectional. If Rochester wins on Saturday, they'll play there on Tuesday for a trip to state on Friday. Wednesday night is the Volleyball Sectional Championships. We'll have the 3A Southeast Sectional Championship, the 2A Pleasant Plains Southeast Sectional Championship, and either highlights from the 1A Nokomis or Triopia sectional championship all right that's a wrap on what's coming up on channel 1450 let's get to this week's guest here is Jim Rupert this is a guy who you uh you ask all the questions all the time so I'm gonna ask you a few questions today I'm joined by Jim Rupert today Jim thanks for your time I appreciate it I know you're busy getting our stats together all the time so I appreciate a little bit to to sit down and talk with you I can make it it's
1: easy (laughs) I like talking
0: all right let's talk some some football but first I want to get into some basketball because major news last week with um Andre Iguodala announcing his retirement and I think he's already picked up another job with with ESPN in a studio so that's good to see that he's he's not going to be uh without a job for too long I didn't think he would be but I want to go back to what you remember about Andre cuz a couple of years ago we sat down and did a best of CSA podcast where we talked about you know a lot of the basketball players from the time but as you look back on it now I mean Andre is Springfield personified and, and one of the best to ever come out of Springfield, I think, in any sport. So, what? I mean, how do you kind of put a wrap on his 19-year NBA career? Well, I, and I talked about this
1: on the press box, Derek. Um, when, when Andre, a, a lot of people, when Ed Horton was coming up, if you said, oh, this guy's going to be Mr. Basketball, i say, yeah, well, he started as a freshman on a team that won a state championship. When Dickie Schofield was coming along. Well, God, he's got a pedigree. Of course, he's going to be a number one pick. But Andre, when he's a sophomore in high school, he's playing, at the end of the year, he's playing a bit role on an okay Lanfair basketball team. The big guy was Richard McBride. Richard McBride was the guy that was headed for the NBA. And Andre kept working and working and working. I, I, think, I really believe a case can be made for Andre as the greatest athlete the city has ever produced. As long as Robin Roberts is in the Hall of Fame, he, you can't knock him off that perch as a baseball player who went to Michigan State on a basketball scholarship. Right. But people forget, Andre was second in the state in the high jump. Yeah. Uh, um, Andre used to come back in the summers and have celebrity events, he'd have basketball games. One year he came back and he had a softball game. And he brought in a couple of his of his NBA cronies, his agent Rob Polinka was here. Um, and I was pitching for the media team. and They yeah. played at, at Lanphier Park okay. and they set up a, a, a cyclone fence in the outfield. Yeah. Andre hit a home run off me bat right-handed <laughs> over the cyclone fence and a home run hit off me left-handed. <laughs> so Andre is, is not a one-trick pony. Andre is not a, a guy that can shoot jump shots and can't do anything else. So I really believe that a case can be made for him being the greatest athlete the city has ever produced. In addition um he he's no dummy i mean this is a very sharp guy who can who can who has worked on wall street who is going to work for espn who um is a mentor when when he wasn't playing you saw him on the bench with his arm around a guy telling him you have to do this and you have to do this so um he's a great representative of springfield he has a foundation in springfield every year at thanksgiving time his mom uh, Linda Shanklin goes around. To, they hand out um, turkeys and 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 do that. If you look at the scoreboards in the gyms, most of them have in the corner donated by the Andre uh, Andre Guadalupe Foundation. So um, I I have the, the the Copley when Copley owned the State Journal Register used to have a Copley First Citizen. I have nominated Andre for Copley First Citizen because I believe he's deserving of that in Springfield for what he has done over the years, and a a great NBA career, I talked also on the press box, is he an NBA, is he a basketball hall of famer? He's won an Olympic gold medal, he's a four-time NBA champion, he was the finals MVP. I'd like to take a look at the list of guys who've won the finals MVP and the list of hall of famers and find out how many of those are not in the hall of fame. So I, I think a case can be made for Andre being in the basketball hall
0: of fame as well. When we look back on it, I think, in 20 years, it will be a little bit more, I think, special. Because right now, in the NBA landscape, there's so much about like the stars and that. So when we look back on Andre's career of 19 years and say, yes, he won four rings. He was, like you said, one of the best teammates to someone who could go down as the greatest shooter of all time. I know we, there's lots of arguments there that could be made, but Steph Curry is not done with his career. and So he played with Steph Curry, one of the best players of all time. He played against LeBron in LeBron's prime for his entire career, mm-hmm. won that MVP because of that. Locked him up. So in, in 20, 30, even 50 years when, you know, we talk about it, it's like we're going to look back on that and say Andre was from Springfield and he did that and he, like, this story in, in the two decades that he played in the NBA is, is going to go down in history, just like, you know, the 90s Bulls pissed it. Like, this rivalry between, you know, the Warriors and, and LeBron in and that situation is going to be talked about for so long that I don't think we've gotten to the full story of of Andre's reach yet in terms of what he, how he impacted the NBA.
1: I always cringe when they talk about the big three, the Splash Brothers, Curry and Thompson, and then Draymond got thrown in there. I always thought that Andre was the was the third of the of the three musketeers in that because Draymond Draymond was he was more vocal he he was he grabbed more headlines mm-hmm. um, but Andre Andre could guard anybody he was guarding points he was guarding fours and fives if he needed to so um, yeah I, I think you're right I think that that down the road when, when we we're going to talk about we're going to talk about Steph. We're going to talk about Clay because if Steph's not the greatest shooter of all time, Clay is in the discussion. Yeah, and and, and Draymond came along and could handle the ball, was a good assist guy, guarded. Um, but w- those are the three headliners. where we say, man, having an Andre Iguodala if that if that's your four your fourth best,
0: you're in pretty good shape. And then you throw in the conversation. Oh, oh, he also played with Allen Iverson, one of the best point guards of all time. And then just about every year, it comes up on, on Twitter. It'll be like a YouTube mix of Andre's dunks or Andre in the dunk contest. And it's like, that was kind of his, his first act. And then his second act was with the Warriors where he did won all the rings and stuff. And it's like, man, if you talk about, like you said, resume building, Allen Iverson, slam dunk champ, all this stuff has to go into that conversation of, man, Andre came from Springfield. He, he's a fair guy. And to me, that's just amazing to, to put in that conversation. And,
1: and the the really neat thing is, is he kept getting better. Um, when Andre when Andre was uh, MVP of the AAU basketball tournament, the national AAU basketball tournament between his junior and senior year, we're like, wow, he's that good. Yeah. Okay. And then as a senior, he leads Lanford to second in the state, and he commits to Arkansas. Nolan Richardson, and you're saying, wow, he's that good. And then Richardson gets fired, and he decommits, and he goes to Arizona, which is a national power. And you're like, wow, he's that good. And then he comes out after two years. He he goes into the NBA, yeah. and you're like, wow, he's that good. And he's picked number nine. Yeah. And you're saying, wow, he's that good. It, it, he, 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 kept, he, he spent his life proving us, not necessarily proving us wrong, because nobody ever said he couldn't play, but he kept proving us that I'm one step ahead of you. Yeah. And that's a really cool thing.
0: As a sports writer from Springfield, what what do you remember about your interactions with him? Not only in high school, but like you said, as he came back and you know contributed to Springfield.
1: Uh, he, I, 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 after he got in the NBA, when he'd come back every year and he would have the celebrity events, I, I always got to take part in the basketball games and the softball games and all that kind of stuff. Um, that was really cool. But but Andre. Um, Always kept a little bit of a distance from from the media, I always thought. He'd have his camps, and um, he didn't want it to be about Andre's back home, here I am, let's have a parade for yeah. me. Um, he kind of sne- sneaked into town, he kind of snuck out of town. Um, I, I, a, a friend of mine was an assistant coach at Lanphier, and he t- he kept telling me stories when Lanphier was coming up. He'd say, I could guarantee that every Sunday I'd get a phone call. Juice, Andre, open the gym. The two of them would go to the Lanford Gym every Sunday night, two hours, huddling and in there, shooting, working, working, doing doing different things. And, and this guy kept telling me, this guy's going to be great. I'm telling you, he's going to be great. Um, and he, th- th- did you read his book? No, I haven't. Okay, I, I, I have read. And his book isn't exactly kind to Springfield, but it, it's not a slap. I, I, I heard people saying, oh, he's bad month Springfield. It doesn't really. Badmouth Springfield. Andre always had a tattoo with the capital of, mm-hmm. uh, on it, and he, he doesn't have it anymore. He got a different tattoo on there because he says the one that he got wasn't done right, wasn't yeah. done well. Um, but uh, he, he's I think he's, he's a, a very um, opinionated, a, a very racially active guy, um, and, and things happened in Springfield that he didn't appreciate and doesn't appreciate. But he's not going to drag Springfield through the mud.
0: I want to talk a little bit about your background before we get into the football conversation, because um, I know people now just know you, or like people are like, "Oh, yeah, the guy on the press box, or the guy on Saturday morning talks with Tim." Um, but in terms of what you're pain
1: in the butt who keeps bugging me for stats, <laughs> <everyone>. <laughs> yeah, for for Channel
0: 4050. Which, um, like, I, I tell Kevin all the time, we we appreciate so much because that just adds such an element to our website and what people can come to our website for, not just videos, not just interviews. It's like, okay, now we... I feel like it, it legitimized our site a little bit more by having not only you who have such, has such a background in media and, and newspaper, but just to have the opportunity to, to have that somewhere that people can find it now, and that's something that people are searching for or and, we're searching for.
1: And Derek, I'm, I'm a history buff, and we have to preserve history. And the only way truly, we can have opinions, we can talk about Andre Iguodala, but what we're, you talked about in 20 years, what we're going to do is we're going to go to a book and we're going to look up his stats. Mm-hmm. And if, if those stats aren't anywhere to be found, we don't have them anymore. And and I, I I think that's very important to sports, especially high school sports in Springfield, that we have recorded data of what people actually did. We can go back and look at what Reed Detmers did in high school because we've got his, his stats. And, and that's why I, I Preserving the history of Springfield sports is of the utmost importance to me. The site gives us an opportunity because where it used to be the newspaper, that option's not available
0: anymore. I've heard you tell some stories here and there, um, but what do you remember about you know first getting started in the in the interest of you know keeping stats? What what's your earliest memory of like you know keeping a baseball record or like anything like that that you can tell a story of? Well,
1: I was a sporting news.
0: When Sporting News was the baseball bible, yeah.
1: for, for my 13th birthday I got a subscription to the Sporting News. I would buy a copy of it every week. I would go through the box scores. I'm a Cubs fan. I, they used to put minor league line scores and box scores in. I would keep track of the Tacoma Cubs <laughs> record in stats. When the Bulls first started, people think that the Bulls are Michael Jordan. The Bulls didn't become a franchise until about 1966. I would keep track and the box scores were in the sporting news every week. I would keep track of I have uh, an old paper I might still have it somewhere the stats from from the Bulls. I I uh, I used to have I used to make up college basketball tournaments. I was I grew up loving Loyola basketball and I'd make up basketball tournaments where I'd put you know Illinois and Northwestern, and I, I'd, I'd make up scores and I'd have brackets and stuff. And i I'm just a geek, I'm just a total geek in that regard. Um, uh, I, I still, um, Stratomatic baseball, yeah. I, I played Stratomatic baseball when I was a kid. I still have a Stratomatic baseball game. I went through and redid the 1961 Roger Maris Mickey Mantle home run chase in Stratomatic, I did 162. Yankees games wow. from, from 1961 and kept box scores on every one and then after a certain period I would do the cumulative stats. I, just a total geek. I, I, I mean, you, you talk about coming in here and doing this. You're taking me away from playing three games of Stratomatic, maybe. <laughs> That's all you're doing. So it's not... It, the world isn't losing anything. Uh, I, I've always been a stats guy. It's always been important. I have scorebooks from when I was a kid. Love to keep score. Um, I I, I don't know, it's not like I'm a math major or a math whiz, and and I like to, I love the percentages, but it's just, and and to me, stats and history go hand in hand, and and I just really think that that, um, without looking up what Dick Groh hit in 1960, sometimes when I try to fall asleep at night, I count backwards to MVPs in the National League. Mm -hmm. 1958, Ernie Banks. 1959, Ernie Banks. 1960, Dick Rowe. 1961, Frank Robinson. That's just the kind of geek I am.
0: When you... uh, As a... When I worked for Taylorville for the newspaper and I had to put the stats in, when we still were able to do that a little bit, you know, with box scores and such, it's, it's such a tedious thing that you have to pay such good attention to in terms of, you know, I mean, one number wrong and you have not only their grandma's calling you, but their parents, and then you have to run a correction and all that stuff. So as you, you know, got into the newspaper business and, you know, became the sports editor at the SGR, um, how much of the passion for what you what you did there got mixed in with, you know, the tedious work that it was to, to make sure that all those stats and all that stuff is right? Because I think that's something that people don't understand, the time that it takes to make sure, to double-check, to... to read it once it's printed to make sure that you got it right again. You know what I mean?
1: I had great mentors when I started working at the Peoria Journal Star when I was in college. I had great mentors who stressed accuracy. Accuracy. They showed me how to keep stats. They showed me how to compile stats. They showed me how to check and and, and back check. And um, I was a part-timer, and they turned the the, the, um, mid-state 9 or whatever conference it was, they turned those stats over to me, and we used to do them on... On uh, note cards, and we keep track, have a note card for each kid, what he had in rushing, passing, et cetera, Basketball, and I was doing that when I was in college because they trusted me. Because I, 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 it's just all a matter of attention to detail, yeah. and, and and I'm kind of a detail person. Um, it, it yes, it's tedious, but but when it's done right, I mean, I, I can I can look back on. I started at 19, in 1976. And I, can, I I still have some of the sheets that I did that I kept stats on, and it's important that um, that you do it right. And and I, it kind of it kind of transferred into other stuff. You know, not not only do you keep your numbers right, but when you write your story, make sure you get it right and get your quotes right. And 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 it's just sort of something that it, it always was important to me that to, to, to make sure that it's right. Yeah, it's tedious keeping stats. Yeah, it's, it I have to I have to go back. I have. Um, I try to emphasize to to the coaches now, I don't want game-by-game stats. I want compiled season stats. Well, some coaches don't understand that. So I've got a sheet right here that's got a game-by-game breakdown of one school stats because the coach sends me game-by-game stats. So I have to do it, and then I have to go back and check. Okay, if the quarterback completed... um, 14 of 22 passes and there's only 13 receptions have to go back to the coach and say you're missing one reception that's that's the tedious part that's the part that drives coaches nuts from my that, that I drive them nuts about because I, it's got to be right it's got to be accurate and I sorry I, I'm that's just how I am I, I'm not going to settle for it being almost right
0: that's probably why coaches uh, are so mad at us because I usually ask them to send me the single game stats for our fantasy league or for other things that we do. So it's like, yeah, they're probably like, why do these guys keep bucking me about different ways to send stats? It's like, no, make sure, game make sure you ahead. send roots first and then I'll worry about my, our fantasy league later because that's not as important, clearly, as that. But um, I love fantasy sports too,
1: so that, that there's where the stats come stats in. Too, come right? for sure. And when we started in playing fantasy football at the State Journal Register in 1980, there were not programmed. We kind of made up. I kind of made up the rules for our football league mm-hmm. and I have graph paper that I'd write fouls and I'd have touchdown passes, touchdown interceptions and, and i do it on paper and i have to wait till the, till the Monday paper came to do it. So, and, and that's accuracy too because we were paying for a nickel a point or whatever mm-hmm. it was so people cared. Uh,
0: this can be a matter of opinion and so I just want to get your perspective and, and kind of see how you develop this and also... Um just kind of what your thoughts are, because my background, I got I got an English degree, so I was more of a storyteller. I think coming into being a newspaper writer and then and then doing what I do now. So I like to tell more of a story. Um, but for you, for you, what what is the balance between when you write a story or you're going to tell a story? What's the balance between using stats and using numbers and using you know, the art of the word or the, the way you tell the story. Do you know what I mean? Like, how do you put together a story when it comes to, say, say that Andre Iguodala state championship game? How much stats do you put into that compared to quotes, compared to telling the story of, of the atmosphere? Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, Okay. Yeah.
1: Well, number one, I ain't got no English degree. I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, but I don't know if there's an actual formula for it. Uh, I worked with a guy, Jim Wildrick, who was a great storyteller. I used to love listening to him tell stories. And I never thought I was very good at it. But um, now, after being around for 40-plus years, I love telling stories. Um, When it comes to to writing, um, you can't... Sometimes I overburden people with stats. Some of the num i, 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 I get done writing something, and I'm like, I didn't really write anything. All I did was I put a bunch of stats on a piece of paper. Yeah, see? Um, I, I love I love the words part of it. I, I love blending things, put put putting putting telling the story. Um, I, I, th- there's a way to do it, and, and um, I don't know, I don't know that I was great at it because I was I leaned more towards the stats aspect of it because I always thought the stats told the story the best. But that's where the quotes part come in to me. I I always thought that it was really important to, to, even now when I read stories, sometimes I skip the narrative and go to, I I look for the quote marks Mm -hmm. and I, what did this person say about it? Because I always thought that when I'd go talk to classes and journalism students and stuff, I'd say, nowadays Everybody watches. If I'm going to, to an Illinois basketball game, everybody's watching it on TV. They know when the run came and they know what, when, when the, who the leading scorer was. But tell me what they're saying in the locker room about that run. Yeah. Tell me what, what the coach says, how deflating that was or how, how the momentum changed. And, and bring bring people into the locker room more um, by, by using their observations. People don't really care what... Jim Rupert thought about um, Darren Williams making five jump shots in a row. But but if if Lute Olson on the other bench is sitting there going, that killed us. Man, when, when, when that guy got hot and we, we tried three different defenders on him, that's the, that's the stuff that makes a difference to me. Um, but you got to say that he made five in a row. He, it, the best is to blend both of them together. Um, I don't consider myself a wordsmith. Some people, um, Derek Gould, who writes baseball for, for the Post-Dispatch mm-hmm. covers the Cardinals, he's one of those wordsmith guys where, you know, it takes them <clears throat> 50 words to get to the score of the game. I I I, I wasn't big on that. You know, let, let them know what happened and then
0: go to it. It's just like painting a picture, I think, <coughs> where, you know, obviously different artists have different styles and different ways of doing things. So when you, you know, got to the point where you're a sports editor and you're you have all these things underneath you where all these artists are presenting their work to you. Um, how did you kind of become the person that says, okay, I need you to put more of this in there? or Because it's, it is their <coughs> artwork, and it's the way they tell the story, but at the same time, I'm sure you developed a, 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 a way that you wanted the SJR to present stories or to have... Did you kind of come up with a certain format or anything like that where you had... Different ways to tell people different things. I
1: don't think you can. You can. You can, again have a format, and everybody has their own style. Um, and 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 I can. I could tell you what Dave Kane was going to have. In, what part was going to be Dave Kane when I read an article? I could tell you what Robert Burns how, how he was going to do stuff. And you can't take that away from those people. Marsha Marcia Martinez would do things differently. Wilder was big on. Um, Asking the question and then doing doing the quote and and all, all everybody has a different style. Um, I wanted to make sure. I, I, I learned from a, an editor early that if if it takes you more than thirty words in your lead, you've, you've gone too far. The lead is very important, and and you know the lead is kind of where your style is set. You know that from being a writer. Um, I worked with a guy, um, the, uh, one of my best friends in the world, who, who co- we covered Illinois together. He worked at the Peoria Journal Star, and he would he would have his lead written by halftime, and, and it was always good.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He'd struggle in paragraphs three through fifteen, yeah, and it drove me nuts <laughs> because I'm like, if, if you have your lead, it should all flow, yeah, um, but but. You, 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 change, you change stuff. Um, different people have idiosyncrasies the way they, the way they write and that I would, I would change or, not, or I would mention or if they were younger people I would say you might consider this or you might consider that but um, you can't take away... Uh, uh, John Lennon sang a song one way and Paul McCartney sang another and that's what made him great. You can, writers are the same way. You can't you can't steal their style, you, but but you can tighten it up. And the, the the funny thing is now, I was probably a wordy writer when I wrote. Okay, now I'll, my son my son is an avid reader, and he'll give me articles, and and I'll, I'll read it and I'll say, could have been five hundred words shorter. Yeah. Now now I'm all of a sudden now I'm an editor then <laughs> I'm not an editor anymore. Yeah. You know.
0: Um, yeah. So when. Did you ever notice that your that anything changed about the way you wrote stories as time went on, or did you? Because, like you said, you were self aware of the fact that hey, I want to put as many stats in there as I can. Um, so, did you ever change anything like that, or did you just kind of try to make try to mix it in so that it didn't look that way in terms of like oh, I like it this way, but I see why people wouldn't, so I'm going to try to fluff it up a little bit. Well. You can't be a good
1: writer unless you're an avid reader. I always thought that. So I always read other people's stuff. And, and I would... I You don't necessarily... There's nothing unique in writing. There, you know, There's no play in football that hasn't been run before. There's no words that haven't been written in combination before. So I always read a lot. And, and if, if somebody would... If there was a certain style I liked, I'd say, you know, I, I, I wonder how I can adjust that into how I do stuff. And... Yeah, I, I probably um, th- there were things that um, one, one of the th- and, and and I'll one of the things that I notice about the videos that you guys do is at the end of the video you always say who people are playing next week. Mm-hmm. As a young writer, I always thought I had to include that in my game story. You know, SHG beat Springfield. You write the story, and at the end you say the Cyclones travel to Normal next week. And then I got to the point where I'm like. No, I don't. I, I don't think I need that. Yeah. I think we can. Let's take care of this game first. So, there, there are. Yeah, I'm sure there were things that I adjusted. That, that um, I, it wasn't really conscious. It, it sort of was just as as you get older, you you know what you like, and and you want to you want other people to like what you're writing. And I like what he wrote. I want you to like what I wrote. So. I'll change it a little bit, and I'm sure I adapted. I'm sure I, I did, did, did things differently. Uh, had a real, Mike, Mike Chambers was a real good editor, and he helped me with some of that kind of stuff. And you got to be careful because, uh, you know, if you've been working at the newspaper for 20 years, you don't want somebody else telling you how to do your job because you've been doing it for 20 years. But there, there's, there's subtle ways of people, for people to tell you, hey, did you ever think about doing this this way? And I'm sure I adjusted that way. And I'm sure, as an editor, I
0: made those suggestions to other people too. Has anything changed for you when you write a story now that you write it for our website instead of writing it for a newspaper? Yeah, I don't have deadlines. <laughs> <laughs> that's the big. I, I don't have to.
1: I don't have to come home on a Friday night and sit at my kitchen table with my laptop, with the world, the Cubs playing in the World Series up there. Look, watching the clock, saying I got to have this done by ten fifty. That that's it's more free, and um, I, I I research a lot more now and a lot better now than I did then. Um, uh, no, I I, I think I, I think if people looked at something that I that's on the website now and they looked at something that I wrote in, in two thousand and nine, they'd say oh, that yeah, it's pretty much the same yeah. stuff.
0: Um, all right, let's get into this this um, football season, playoffs. Uh, I'm going to start with Rochester. Um, in terms of their stats this year, I mean, people always are like, oh, how many passing yards does Rochester have? And it's like at the end of every season, it comes down to usually it's about 52% run and 48% pass because Derek just makes it happen that way. Um, this year, I feel like there's, their offensive stats aren't going to be – as high because their defense has been so good that they haven't had to make those drives. They haven't had to score as many points. They haven't had to do those things. Um, what do you notice about the Rochester numbers that that you've seen so far?
1: Well, it's more number one. It's it's more of a job share. Um, Morzowski gets a lot. Most of the run plays. Um, Zuloff gets most of the the throw, the, the passing. Beaker and uh, um, Cannon. Uh, who, Bruce. who yeah, Bruce, Ken, and Bruce um, get most of the receptions. But the the thing that skews the Rochester stats is the running clock. There and, and it, it's that's been a not necessarily a problem because Nick Baker put up pretty good numbers played half of the game. Yeah. Um, so uh, it, it's Derek. Has, it, it seems to me he's gotten away from the not necessarily the star, but the last couple of years. Reese last year did a lot of running, did a lot of throwing, and and. Well, I guess Hank Beatty may, may have been the guy that started all that by being a receiver and a quarterback. Mm-hmm. And, and, and now um, Eli Carlson gets a lot of – throws it and, and runs it a lot more. So their stats are never great. Um, I think they keep great tackle stats because, you know, I, I see guys with 92 tackles and I see Rochester, Parker Lyons, who Parker Lyons and Henry Bigger, two of the best defensive players, not two of them, the two best defensive players, and their tackles are in the 40s, and I'm going, hmm, somebody's keeping st- t- tackle stats a little bit differently. Right. Yeah. So, um, they, they, when all is said and done, uh, Tim Schweitzer or, or, or Greg Halbleib, somebody asked me the other day, so-and-so is, go- is probably going to lead the conference in rushing. And I said, no, Rogers is going to play 14 games. Yeah. And he's going to get 100 yards mm-hmm. a game because he's the, the, the job share is going to decrease as the opponents get better. He's going to play more and carry more. So and that, that, those are the things you got to keep your eye on. But they, they um, we don't have Zach Grant anymore. We don't have Wes Lunt. The, the numbers are a little bit different, but they're still pretty good.
0: The guy that's calling the plays knows how to call plays. <laughs> um, when the brackets come out in 4A, I mean, it just looks like, Okay, everyone just pencils in Rochester and I see Catholic. When, when you look at Rochester and what they've done in the 4A South bracket throughout the last two decades, I mean, it's hard not to say that that's the case. Like, what else can you say?
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and I, the story I wrote for, for this website last week, I didn't realize that since 2010, Rochester has lost 17 football games. Seven? And, and you can count. Almost on one hand, the teams they've lost to. 11 of them to SHG. 12, I guess, counting the forfeit. They've lost twice to Glenwood. They've lost once to MacArthur. They lost um, Belvaloltoff. They lost to Kankakee McNamara. you got to be awfully good if you can count the teams you've lost to in 14 football seasons. Wilmette we'll Loyola. In the COVID year, they, they go and they play against those guys. So... Um, it, it's, it's just incredible what they have done. And the, 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 the big thing is that always amazes me, and people, the skeptics would call it Coach Speed, they never take anybody for granted. No. They go into every, they're going into Lincoln, and, and Derek's out there screaming that Keon Carter will break that loose if yeah. we don't do this they be what'd they beat Lincoln, 55 to nothing?
0: They allowed negative four
1: yards in that game. <laughs> and, and, and they outscored them like 150 to nothing in the last three times they played. So, sorry Lincoln, but Rochester will win that first round game again. But they go about it like they're playing 2,022 SHG every week. That's their preparation because they never let anybody take anybody for granted.
0: When I went out there yesterday, just for to add to your story, when I went out there yesterday to talk to Derek for our playoff preview video, I had to wait a good ten minutes because he was in the film room ripping somebody for something that happened last week because he's like, because he knows, like, that's just, like you said, the mental preparation for them going into every single game, not taking anything lightly and not, I mean, last week I feel like they committed so many penalties because they were so amped up for that game because... Of what's happened to those kids the last two years mm-hmm. in that situation? So it was like, okay, you can kind of give them a pass, but there wasn't going to give them a pass. He said he spent the 10 minutes after the game saying, This is not acceptable. We don't do this. We do this again. We're going to lose and be done. And that's to me, that's He pointed at himself, yeah. Mostly. Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't coach we were,
0: we didn't have you guys ready, yeah. and you weren't prepared, and we, yeah. So, yeah, just incredible stuff. We can probably book being in Bloomington. That Friday, seven o'clock, and be be okay with.
1: I'm thinking we could book bleed in normal in week two, because they could play U High.
0: Yeah, U High and Cold City play. Hopefully Friday night. Hopefully, because both of are playing Friday this week, so we can hope. Um, yeah, the is is the U High story the the best story in the CSA, or is it is it? MacArthur this year
1: oh I think Lincoln is the best story making the playoffs okay. for the first time since 1984 yeah um, but but what Brody has done at UI is is really good and and um, y- y- Johnny Johnson was was kind of a roll out the balls coach he mm-hmm. was he, he had a pro background and and that's kind of how they played and and um, their lines were you know Miniature lines. They didn't. They never blocked for people, and they had a new quarterback every year and all this kind of stuff. But he came in with a purpose. And and I remember when Brody got the job at Pleasant Plains, we're thinking, who is this guy? You know, he kind of got it by default. Blah blah blah. He got them to a state championship game in Plains. When he came back into coaching and got the job at UHIDE, going back to going back to my angle, the stats part, I kept bugging him every week. You know, and and, and he'd say. Finally, he just said, "Jim, I got to tell you the truth." He said, "I got to rebuild everything in this program." He said, "I got nobody that can keep stats." I said, "You got a bunch of eggheads in your school. (laughs) You've got to have some some math guy that 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 can keep track of stats." He said, "That's what I thought too." But he said, "I'm struggling." At the end of the year, he finally got it. He said, "I got it, and it's never going to happen again." But he he said, "I I have I had to start fresh with everything that we have here," and it's a great story, but. Wyland is, is a really good quarterback and he's got, uh, Hooper, Hooper Willis is a good receiver and I mean, but you know what, how close did they come to losing week one to yeah. Springfield High? Right, They're down at halftime uh-huh. and, and I don't know what, what it was like, the locker room was like at halftime but Boy, they, they picked it up, and, and they've been in a role ever since the second half of the Springfield game week one.
0: For them to finish 6-2 in the conference, obviously you don't have to play Rochester, but you can only play the teams you play. Mm-hmm. Um, played well at SHG. And then, I don't know, I think... Stinker at Glenwood. Them beating MacArthur, though, makes up. And then they beating Jacksonville last week in what was a playoff game. Jacksonville had it had mm-hmm. to have it, and they didn't. Um, so, yeah, I think, uh, looking forward, if that happens, to next week to see... You know, what does the U.I. team, how far they've come? Because winning a playoff game, a lot of teams in the, in the state would take winning a playoff game after you haven't made the playoffs for a very long time. Well, for sure. Where, What what team do you see in the CSA or Sagamo that could join Rochester that Friday or Saturday? I'll tell you, people,
1: Athens is an amazing playoff team the runs that, that Ryan Knox's teams have made in the postseason. I think they've won 10 or 11 first-round games in a row. They've been to semis and quarters, seven of the of the uh, times that they've been in the postseason. Um, they, they, you know, I, th- I think their draw is pretty good. We always kind of, around here, we sort of poo-poo what they do down south. Yeah, I mean, we saw Jacksonville team seated eight, Make a run through the through the southern part of the state a couple of years ago, going to Centralia and, and Carbondale. And that. But um, they well, got, wasn't the
0: Plains team a 15 or 16 seed that made it to state. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they were and down. They were up the on them all. Yeah, that's what right. they did. Yeah, yeah. So um,
1: I, I I think Athens has a um, and, and you know I don't see Fagan playing for that Arthur Lovington team anymore. He no. beat, do pretty well for the Illini. That's the, that's the number one seed in in that bracket. Um, I, I think Athens has a has a real good shot, especially the way they played Moroa. Mm-hmm. Man, I mean they they they've lost twice this year, and both of them were really gut wrenching, tough losses. Moroa, um, as long as you got Cave Mauer, you got a chance. That guy is, mm-hmm. you know, who who comes up with the fumble when they, the fumble recovery when they need it. Smith makes a yeah. great play, but who? Of course, Cade Mauer is going to get it. and He's going to tiptoe out of bounds, and they're going to go down and score the touchdown. So I wouldn't want to play MacArthur either, I'll tell you that. The way MacArthur is playing right now, um, we were over in Decatur for week two or week three, whatever it was, when Rochester played him. And uh, people kept asking me about the freshman running back. How good good is he? I said, they played Rochester. Rochester knows how to make those guys not look good. And he had the, the... Third or fourth play of the second half, he had the long touchdown run. Other than that, he, he was really a non-factor in that game. But boy, that, that Cam France reminds me of, of the Reese kid that played quarterback at Rochester last year. Big butt and, and he can run and he can he can heave it out there. And Owens is a nice player. their their top line guys are, are pretty good. They're going to be they're going to be trouble, I think.
0: And You get a matchup with Metamora. I don't know, I don't know if Metamora's football team is as good as they were last year. But if we could get them to play, ba- play basketball as well as play football this weekend. <laughs> I think that'd be a pretty good matchup as well, because looking ahead to, to what McCarthy brings back on the basketball court, that's going to be a, hopefully a fun matchup as well. Um, yeah, in terms of the where SHG goes, you got to travel up north. I mean, you, you kind of expect that in 5A, um, but what do you know about you know that conference or that team that they're playing against?
1: Well, it, I, th- I think that might be where Mike Tomczak played. Okay. There's, Thor- there's Thornton Fractional North, Thornton Fractional South. Um, they haven't been good lately. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think that, that's kind of the crete that 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 area. I think that East, call it East Side of Chicago, really. Um, uh, SHC could win the game. Um, I, I, I think, and and um, I I don't know a whole bunch about about Thor- Thornton Fractional North except for the fact that. Um, it's it's not a great football tradition. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure they're I'm, I'm sure they're going to have tough. That's like, that's like Gary Indiana. They're going to have tough kids that, that play tough.
0: I, and last week, I walked away from Rochester SHG probably more impressed with SHG and how they were able to play with guys being down, with guys not you know playing two ways. And I thought SHG played their best game last week and, and played really well and stayed in that game. So if they could get, you know, Burke Wilkin was supposed to be back last week. The doctor told him two weeks ago, hey, you can play week nine. Well, they pulled him aside Thursday night and said, hey, we don't want you to play yet. So he went in, played the first snap, and then came out okay. and had to stand there and watch. And I can't imagine for a kid like that, That's that's got to be awful. So I think hopefully he's back this week to where that really shures up a lot on your offensive line that you've been just trying to mix and match. and. But how's Pollard? Is Pollard healthy? He, he wasn't exactly healthy last week, but he still played. So, yeah, that's one of those question marks. But um, if Ethan, if Ethan's back now, because, I mean, he rushed right. for a touchdown. If his hand's able to hold the ball, then... He was supposed to be the guy. He, he was, start. yeah. So maybe, you know, if you can win there and you come home, you get a home playoff game against the team in Morris, who um, in a few conversations I've had with Susie, he was saying... If, if Morris goes 4A they're probably the favorite and I was like well okay let's slow our roll on that mm-hmm. but um I mean that just says how good Morris is and right. how they know how good Morris is so that would be another really fun matchup in, in week yeah. two if we could get that um in terms of like you said the Sagamo it's we have three 2A teams so we hope hey Merle Athens in the state championship would be I can't imagine what that would be like um, I don't think we've ever had anything like that um as you look at the stats overall this year, what you know, just kind of anything that stands out to you, or anything that kind of people don't know about in terms of these playoff teams? Maybe. I Feel sorry for
1: Auburn losing Talon Kern yeah. because Talon Kern because they really put a lot on his back and he really answered it. I mean, but Jack Jones has played really well. Yeah, stepped in. In, in a couple of weeks of, of playing, and, and Sawyer Smith has been. You know, I think he's a sixth-year junior or something. By now, <laughs> he's been playing. Forever, and they, they've got a core. They've got athletes. Yeah.
0: Venric, I don't know if Vendrick's healthy. I don't think so. And I think Grant Dobson kind of rolled his ankle as well last week, so not... Well, and he's a stud. On both sides of the <laughs> ball, Grant monster. Dobson.
1: Really, really good. I wonder if he's going to come back and play basketball this year. Uh, that's my understanding. Okay. Is that, that will help. He
0: played, with, he played with the basketball team in the summer instead of wrestling, so I think... I hope, I, I hope he's playing basketball. I yeah. hope he... Hope they let them do both, honestly. That'd, that'd be pretty you know, cool. Good at both, so. Yeah, um, and, and they've got a
1: tough, jo- tough draw, Johnston City, but I, I'd, I'd like to see a healthy Auburn team again going south. That you know, right. we, we, that, that that would be, that would be kind of cool. Um, They're and playing a the wing
0: T tea team in, in the first round, so I mean, it's one of those things there they've seen it a couple times this year, or at least something like it. And like you said, the South is just, I don't know, we. We kind of just think that our teams can go down there and, and always have a chance, mm-hmm. even 15 and two. We're right a lot of time.
1: Litchfield <laughs> uh, is a good story, but Olympia will take care of them. I think. I think though.
0: Olympia's really good. Olympia. I- <laughs>
1: and, and you talk about numbers. I think I think they've thrown 18 passes this year. Yeah. 11 for 18 passing. You know what's coming. They just do it so well. Olson was fantastic last week.
0: That's what I want to bring up because Eric. Coach Lyons texted me the other day he, he, a uh, stat about Nick Olson, and, I, and then I went and looked at his stats and I was like, geez, he's he's really... I mean, they have multiple guys. They have Cade Lawler and mm-hmm. um, the kid who scored the game-winning touchdown against Williamsville. Um, so they have multiple guys back there, but uh, he said Nick Olson, he has seven 30-plus-yard carries for touchdowns that have been called back from penalties. So add that into what he has now because he has almost a thousand yards mm-hmm. and he's averaging he's averaging just under 20 yards yes, a carry right now yeah. 20 yards a carry in an offense where you're just looking for three or four yeah. it's it says and, a lot about that, that colin
1: alexander is is a guy that yeah another... never lead back for most places yeah. and and the quarterback keeney is a, runs the ball well so they're, they're going to be a handful and and it's the, the way people spread out now the the wing t is an is an anomaly you, you have to really work hard to, to, to prepare to play against the wing TT. And we haven't talked about Williamsville either, but uh. um, at Cates, great, great year. Thousand yard rusher. Right. Um, and, and
0: and I think they've really figured out now how to use it properly. Because like, at the beginning of the year, I talked, texting with Nick Beard back and forth and He's obviously not on the coaching staff, but hangs out with them every weekend. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, you know, make sure you draft Braddock. Like, they think he's going to be a stud. <laughs> like, he's he's the guy. He's going to be the guy. And it was like, okay, you know, he had some games in the middle of the year and stuff where it was like, yeah, you know. Yeah, you think
1: the might be Yeah, that. yeah.
0: And so, and then now he's five t- guaranteed five touchdowns yeah. tonight. <laughs> tonight
1: Yeah. And um, it's got to be some, semi-weird playing in the backfield with your brother.
0: Yeah. Kind of cool. I yeah, mean, but but like you said, yeah. When when your brother's the senior quarterback and you're yeah. the junior running back, it's and you don't think they yell at each other very much. Oh, I'm sure, probably. <laughs> like.
1: Yeah. Uh, Williams and Tolono, how many classics have they had? A lot. Again, just them? in my time. Yeah, they've had I mean, a, a so, ton. So um, that that's a that's a first rounder, and Ducoin got a nice win in Week Nine to to, to be to stay perfect, but. I bet you do. it that they wouldn't really look, be looking forward to playing Williamsville either, because that's you get to Williamsville suddenly not not necessarily suddenly, but is like uh oh playoffs are here, watch out for Williamsville, mm-hmm. no matter where they're seated. You know, they had two tough losses this year, two really tough losses. So and
0: like you said, heartbreaking almost like Athens, where it's going to yeah. stick with you, and you you know okay this is what we didn't do to win that game at the end of the game and that's good that's what you need in the playoffs mm-hmm. when it comes down to it
1: and they're probably looking at it and they're saying us against olympia to go to the
0: state championship that'd be fun <laughs> yeah. yeah we're looking at all these matchups like hey can our teams play here here and here and that'd be great yep. um who else have we touched on uh, glenwood we haven't really touched on glenwood yet um kind of figuring things out like it's been kind of a roller coaster and we haven't probably haven't given Glenwood's defense enough
1: credit. No, I don't think because so. Because they, they um, we didn't exactly. They, they play a close game. The, the Danville game to start of the season gets put off a day. They win that one close game, fourteen to twelve, I think.
0: And then we don't know what to make of it because they run but, through. Then
1: they blow through with shutouts against bad teams, and they're putting up seventy-seven. And mm-hmm. and um, we, you know, they, they talked all preseason. canaller and Dwyer will split the job. Well. That, they didn't really split the job. Yeah, Dwyer is a run is a guy that runs, kind of like Eli Carlson yeah. and Zuloff. But when it gets
0: down to the five, it's either it's either him or the mm-hmm. running back. You know,
1: yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And and Gavin Simmons has had a great year catching yeah. the football for them. Um, but I, I I think their sophomore class is kind of where where they're putting all their eggs because the Layman kid has been great yeah. too, and, and I, I think that to get nine or ten weeks. And, and they've got Bloomington and, and MacArthur hammered Bloomington. Yeah. So that's gotta be what MacArthur or what was looking at. Yeah. Um you get 9, 10, 11 weeks out of a bunch of sophomores. Watch out. A couple yeah a yeah, couple <laughs> of years. That, that, this, um I, I don't I don't know that they'll make a deep run in the in the postseason because it seems to me they would put, would they play St. Louis? No, no, they play they would play Richards or Hubbard in the next round and you get a publicly team; it's a buy into the, the second round because everybody beats the public. Well, yeah, I mean,
0: teams. and you look at like you said with the Bloomington just getting running clock by MacArthur. You have to go in as Glenwood thinking, "Hey, if we play our game, we should win this game." Mm-hmm. But you know, like you said, with 16-year-old kids who are sophomores, you, you got to make sure you show up and play yeah. on Saturday.
1: Yeah, um, but but I, I think I think Glenwood is uh, definitely on. Un- you can't. How can you say a program that's always in the playoffs is on the upswing? But they're still pretty good. I mean, six and three, and they didn't lose anybody. They really weren't supposed to. MacArthur MacArthur's playing great at the end of the year, right?
0: And that's um, a what a one score game, two score game, mm-hmm. SHG. Same way you're in that game until the very mm-hmm. end. Like it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what that is. So yeah, it,
1: it's still remember the first year of the playoffs. Go, going to Alexis, Illinois. Yeah. And, and I, I covered part-timer for the Journal Star. Uh, it was all new, playoffs were all new. They played on a Wednesday nights. And I found out later that, you know who was on the sidelines at that first game I covered? Little Diane Hillard Symbol watching <laughs> her brother play. She was, up, she was at that Alexis game. I don't remember who they played, but she, I wrote about that yeah. the, the first year of the playoffs. And she sent me an
0: email. She said, I was at that game. That's funny. So. That's awesome. Yeah, me coming from uh, Lutheran High, where we didn't have football, I didn't understand what football playoffs were until working for Taylorville. And I think, I mean, the, the first real one I remember is going to Island when they, be, they beat Highland. And it was like, okay, this team, they, they've got 10 wins, and now we get to play as HG. But we still, <laughs> we still get to play as HG. We're, we're in the quarterfinals. Mm-hmm. And, and just to kind of understand for a time like that what it means – and for a team like that, community, and, you know, working for a newspaper, it was like, hey, we get to do a special section every week where we get all these advertisers are wanting in, in mm-hmm. because it's that's that's what it means, and it's, just, it's so special. And I think um, that's something that I have to remember going into this week where I'm trying to cover as many games as possible. It's like, do your best to cover these games and give them the most because it does mean so much more.
1: Yeah, and, and then you say... Lincoln is five and four, and they're a semi-sacrificial lamb. For, no, they're in the playoffs. Yeah, they're they're they playoff t-shirts. They, yeah, it's, yeah they, they they get to practice another week, and I'm sure, Neil's get, not happy about it. But hey, yeah. no, I bet you Neil, <laughs> the athletic director Neil, is very happy. <laughs> yes, that part. side of Neil, yeah. yeah. Um and, and um, just so Kian Carson doesn't get hurt, right? Exactly. Because I, I, I was sitting next to uh, Blake Turner when Shaughnessy Hatchet sprained his ankle in the. Um, second quarter yeah. of, of a game that was running clock uh-huh. um, Blake wasn't exactly excited about seeing his, one of his star basketball players yeah. at that stage of the of the year
0: basketball's almost here but uh, yeah uh, thank you for coming in and talking to football I appreciate it thank you for your time
1: thanks for having me appreciate it man thanks
0: thanks to Broop for his time and great insight into all things media Springfield sports and the football playoffs thank you all for listening I greatly appreciate it I'll see you next week